connection to the outside. No sky, no weather, no attempt at decor. It was all raw concrete, already rubbed greasy where sleeves and shoulders had touched it, still pale and dusty where they hadn't. Underfoot was grippy gray paint, like the floor of an auto enthusiast's garage. The lawyer's overshoes squeaked on it. There were four interview rooms. Each was a windowless concrete cube, divided exactly in half by a wall-to-wall desk-height counter with safety glass above. Caged lights burned on the ceiling above the counter. The counter was cast from concrete. The grain of the formwork lumber was still visible in it. The safety glass was thick and slightly green and was divided into three overlapping panes to give two sideways listening slots. The center pane had a cutout slot at the bottom for documents, like a bank. Each half of the room had its own chair and its own door, perfectly symmetrical. The lawyers entered one way and the inmates entered the other. Later they left the same way they had come, each to a different destination. The guard opened the door from the corridor and stepped the yard into the room for a visual check that all was as it should be. Then he stood aside and let the lawyer enter. The lawyer stepped in and waited until the guard closed the door behind him and left him alone. Then he sat down and checked his watch. He was eight minutes late. He had driven slow because of the weather. Normally, he would have regarded it as a failure to be late for an appointment, unprofessional and disrespectful. But prison visits were different. Time meant nothing to prisoners. Another eight minutes later, the other door opened in the wall behind the glass. A different guard stepped in and checked and then stepped back out, and a prisoner shuffled in, the lawyer's client. He was white and enormously overweight, marbled with fat and completely hairless. He was dressed in an orange jumpsuit. He had wrist and waist and ankle chains that looked as delicate as jewelry. His eyes were dull, and his face was docile and vacant, but his mouth was moving a little, like a simple-minded person struggling to retain complex information. The door in the wall behind the glass closed. The prisoner sat down. The lawyer hitched his chair close to the counter. The prisoner did the same. Symmetrical. The lawyer said, I'm sorry I'm late. The prisoner didn't answer. The lawyer asked, How are you? The prisoner didn't answer. The lawyer went quiet. The air in the room was hot. A minute later, the prisoner started talking, reciting, working his way through lists and instructions and sentences and paragraphs he had committed to memory. From time to time, the lawyer said, Slow down a bit. And on each occasion, the guy paused and waited and then started up again at the head of the previous sentence with no change in his pace and no alteration to his sing-song delivery. It was as if he had no other way of communicating. The lawyer had what he considered to be a pretty good memory, especially for detail, like most lawyers, and he was paying a lot of attention, because to concentrate on the process of remembering distracted him from the actual content of the instructions he was getting. But even so, some small, 
corner of his mind had counted fourteen separate criminal proposals before the prisoner finally finished up and sat back. The lawyer said nothing. The prisoner said, Got all that? The lawyer nodded, and the prisoner lapsed into a bovine stillness. Saw equine, like a donkey in a field, infinitely patient. Time meant nothing to prisoners, especially this one. The lawyer pushed his chair back and stood up. His door was unlocked. He stepped out to the corridor. Five minutes to four in the afternoon. Sixty hours to go. The lawyer found the same guard waiting for him. He was back in the parking lot two minutes later. He was fully dressed again, and his stuff was back in his pockets, all reassuringly weighty and present and normal. It was snowing.